Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host Sam Brooks and tonight I'm delighted to be joined by Sean McIntosh and Raphael Jukobin. Welcome guys and we're, we're going to get straight into the weekend action. I think the game that most people were really looking forward to, uh, certainly from a neutral perspective, was Atalanta-Lazio. Plenty of goals expected in this one and I know for Sean, our, our, uh, our Lazio fan here, He'll be very pleased with the result, um, with Lazio getting a 3-1 win. Um, what, did, what did you make of the game, first of all, Sean? How impressed were you with, with the win? Well, first I'll start off by saying, you know, certainly it was an anticipated match for neutrals. It's, it's become uh, something of a, a, a derby for Lazio and Atalanta. And it's been certainly a match that has produced tons of fireworks, some great storylines, especially when you throw in you know, besides the players that have been around now for this match uh, here the past few seasons, a lot of the same names, but uh, it's always interesting when you throw in Gasparini and he seems to obviously, you know, take these matchups very personally with Lazio, but coming off the heels of a Coppa Italia loss, you know, I, I was pretty optimistic because I really liked what I saw from Lazio in that match, despite the loss. And it was really frustrating because Lazio found themselves in that Coppa Italia match, up a man, you know, in a tied match, um, they found themselves up in that game uh, 2-1, only to blow it. But there were a lot of really strong signs. And, and in league play, Lazio has been one of the hottest teams in the league, really rounding into form a lot. Uh, they're starting to look like the team we saw pre-COVID. So my expectations going into this league match uh, were actually very high. I I think Lazio is the better team um, and they're starting to show it right now. So, you know, I, I, this isn't hindsight. I told people that if we had to drop one of these two matches, I would throw away the Coppa Italia match because we have won that trophy recently. And it is absolutely critical for us to find our way back into champions league um, after securing it last year. So I was pretty positive going into it. And, and obviously, you know, the draw kind of proved me correct. We've seen that Lazio have really sort of picked up form at the start of uh, 2021 after quite an inconsistent sort of first maybe, you know, dozen games of the season where they dropped some unexpected points. What, what do you put that down to? And do you now think that Lazio have a really good chance of making the top four that they're currently two points outside it as we stand? Yeah, I think a lot of people made a, a, a ton about their inconsistency. Um, certainly, there was frustration as a fan um, seeing that level of inconsistency, but I think people forget a couple things. First, uh, we were playing in multiple competitions. It was our first time back in Champions League in over 13 years, so there was a big emphasis on that, and we were able to accomplish our goal. Now, obviously, big results against Dortmund, Zenit, getting out into the um, the round of 16. So that was absolutely incredible. Tons of focus early on in the season, um, as opposed to really focusing on league play. We know the schedule is brutal right now, playing every three games. So you throw in those tough Champions League matches into that, makes it really difficult. The other thing is people forget now, because it's been a, a, a couple months, Lazio was the hardest hit by COVID. Early in the season, they were without some of their top players. I mean, playing with absolutely gutted rosters. So, of course, they were going to be inconsistent. And some of their biggest signings, you know, I've been a critic of, of Burici, 
but he's starting to round in the form, but also to his credit, he didn't get a chance to train with the team and he started his tenure with Lazio having COVID and so not even getting to be integrated properly. And so um, outside of that, we were hit with injuries as well. So now that we're rounding into health, we've got all of our players. Um, Luis Alberto is playing some of the best football he's had in a while. He didn't start the season off playing well. I was a big critic of him because I know he can be one of the best midfielders in the world. He wasn't showing it early in the season, whether it was, um, you know, just lack of focus. I know he picked up some injuries. So now we're seeing, you know, the combination of Luis Alberto and Milinkovic Savic playing incredible calcio right now. So you have those two playing as well as they are. Chiro Immobile is always consistent. So he, even when the team was struggling, you know, to meet form, he was still going to bag his goals. But the combination of those two playing well, health, COVID being behind us right now, you know, you're starting to see the team that, you know, was obviously challenging last year for a Scudetto. Certainly, and, and things really seem to be going in the right direction for Lazio. And we will we will touch on Lazio again later in the show with regards to uh, the transfer window they've had. But, uh, Raphael, I want to come to you uh, next about um, the current league leaders, perhaps out of Lazio's reach right now, but uh, nine points ahead of them and two points clear at the top. And that's AC Milan. They won 2-1 this weekend against Bologna. I think the big talking point was that they got another two penalties scored one of them. Zlatan, of course, missed one. Do you think that rival fans have a right to be aggrieved at how many they're getting? I think they've got 14 already this season in the league. I think there's two sides to it because on the one hand, they are creating the chances to get these penalties. I think you know you can't fault them for the sort of ambition that they're showing and the amount of times that they're getting in the box to create those chances. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, they're opposition fans are always going to pick out, you know, individual errors and they're going to sort of, they're going to look at these and um, these moments and scrutinize them more than, more than they usually would. So, I mean, just taking, taking a few examples from the weekend, I think, you know, the penalty on Liao was a bit soft, but ultimately it probably was a penalty because he was impeded from, from, uh, from moving forward in the box. So it it, it is a double-edged sword. And I think, I don't think it's it's an issue that'll ever really go away when it comes to when when you know when you know the amount of rivalry and the amount of tension that there is in the, in Italian football. It's it's the sort of the accusations of sort of referee being biased or whatever is always gonna is always gonna linger around the fans. I don't think it's. Uh, it's funny. There's always a new team that that uh, apparently the the league and the refs want, right? Like, I, I think mm. this is such an interesting topic, and, and you know, unfortunately, I, I've seen a little bit of um, some Milan fans kind of singing a different tune because Lazio was in this position last year. So as a as a Lazio fan, you know, I heard the criticism when Lazio was leading the league in penalties, and, and you really look at you know both what Milan's doing this year and what Lazio was doing last year. They're they're earning those penalties. I mean, they're attacking in the box. They're putting numbers in the box and, and, and they're forcing teams to foul. And all you can do at the end of the day is respect it because you, you've got to earn them. I mean, sure. When, when you attack and attack and attack, you're going to put the referee in positions to make bad calls every now and then. But in large part, those are, those are penalties, right? Like there may be some one or two that are soft, but at the end of the day, when you look at Milan's record, like those are penalties. 
and and Lazio last year was getting that same level of criticism. It is funny for me now to see some of those Milan fans that I did see criticizing Lazio now saying, yeah, but they're earned. They're, these are real penalties. Like, okay, like fair. So, so for me, you know, I don't have an issue with, with the high penalty count because you're doing something. It, it's part of the tactics. You're throwing numbers into the box and you're attacking, you know, and you've got to convert, you know, that that's, you know, everybody likes to talk about Cheeto being, um, you know, his numbers being so high because of penalties. First of all, on that note, he, he scores more goals in, 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 you know, outside of penalties, like last year, he had more goals, even if you take out the penalties, but secondly, you have to convert them. I mean, look at Zlatan right now. Yeah. He missed another, I mean, what's his tally at this year Four missed already. So, you know, you, you still have to do your part to convert. So I have no, no issues you know, with what's going on with Milan and their penalty numbers. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, the, 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 at the top of the table, you're always going to be sort of the target for, for opposition fans. They're always going to sort of pick out something, something that they feel is wrong. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't make too much of it either. Yeah, that certainly seems to be the case. I think, I think a lot of the penalties have been earned. And, and just one more thing on Milan. I think... Some people who have doubted whether they can go all the way and, and win the Scudetto have sort of, you know, maybe thought that they'll start to get a run of defeats at some point. But they seem to have bounced back quite well when they have taken the odd loss this year. You know, I think the Coppa Italia loss to Inter was quite a tough one to take, given the circumstances with Latin getting injured and it being a late winner. But they did get the victory this weekend. Does something like that sort of suggest to you that they can last the pace, Raphael? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit of a cliche in a way that, that they are winning like champions because, you know, the performance against Bologna was by no means by no means good. I think, you know, a large part of those those three points are down to Donnarumma and his you know, exceptional form this season. I think in terms of the actual the actual play that they were that they were offering, I think. I don't think there was much to separate the two sides, you know. Again, the fact that the fact that they didn't win through two penalties, I, I personally I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's undeserved, but it does indicate that you know they are struggling. They are struggling a bit compared to compared to the first half of the season. I think, yeah, I I, I think generally Donnarumma is the main sort of the main reason why they are keeping their head above water. And, you know, getting these wins. So, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's panic stations just yet or anything, but we are starting to see cracks in the potential, the potential title winning squad. But that said, you know, they've got they've got Crotone and Spezia next you know, over over the next two weeks. So, you know, with those obviously should be wins. So I think. You know they are they are still in a very strong position. I think they're not gonna they're not gonna slip up just yet. But obviously, going into the going into the final few match days of the season, any sort of slip up will prove costly because when you look at how how tight it is at the top of the table, you know Inter just breathing down their necks. It's gonna be, you know, they can't they can't play the way they did against Bologna. Uh, against these bigger sides, I mean, we saw we've seen that in recent weeks that they have they have lost to to the bigger sides. So uh, yeah, I'm quite I'm quite ambivalent in, on uh, on Milan. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out. As you said, they've got a couple of uh, good games on paper coming up, so perhaps they can extend their lead because at the moment they are just two points clear of Inter, who got a very convincing 4-0 win against Benevento on Saturday. Uh, and, and, of course, that topped off a really good week, having made the Coppa Italia semi-finals. Uh, it was it was a really positive week for Christian Eriksen in particular as well. Um, what do you, what do you make of Inter overall, Sean? And um, do you feel that Eriksen might now start to get some more game time now that the transfer window has passed, or do you still see him as a bit of a backup to Brozovic right now? Well, I mean, it's it, it's hard to say that one moment, granted, it was a big moment for him, is going to completely change Conte's mind. I mean. You look, I, I think that's that's obviously been a strong storyline for, for most of the season. And I, I don't know why he doesn't trust Erickson. Um, it, I'd be hard-pressed for Conte to be the, the, the type of manager that all of a sudden changes his mind when they were so far down the rabbit hole of, of quite nearly getting rid of him. Um, so for me, I don't see it changing. Um Maybe they give him more opportunities in Coppa Italia, but um, I, I still, I mean, I think that, man, it, it, you know, as far as Inter goes, I think they are Juve's biggest threat. And I still believe that, you know, despite what we're seeing from uh, Milan. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people still see things that way, even though, you know, Milan have, top the table for most of the season. Um, but Inter are in good form, and so are Juve for the most part. They've had a very strong start to 2021, other than that slip-up against Inter a couple of weeks ago. Raphael, do you feel that Pirlo is close to knowing his best team now? Uh, and also on the flip side, are you a little concerned about the form of Ronaldo, who's been underperforming for a few weeks um, right now? I think in terms of Ronaldo, it, it is it is sort of expected that he would sort of drift out of games a bit and not not necessarily contribute to contribute to games a hundred percent. But at the same time, you know, a player of his quality, he's always he's always got that potential to bring up a bring up a, a big moment. So I don't think it's I don't think it's particularly concerning for Juventus. They they knew what they were getting in getting into when they signed him. That he's not he's not always going to be a main creative hub or anything. Although on the other hand, at the at the weekend he did play a very good pass for their for their second goal to to set up um to set up Ramsey well Ramsey in the end. So I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's alarm bells or anything. I I think Ronaldo is still. He's still a key player in the team, and he's still, he's still, he might not be scoring as a, as much as he was at the start of the season, but he is. I think the the sort of the February March period is when he really starts to hit form. January, when you look at when you look at his past seasons, he's always had a bit of a dip in January as he sort of sort of prepares for that, for those big Champions League nights. So. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's anything Juventus should be concerned about. If it doesn't pick up then in, for the next few months or the next few weeks, I mean, then it would start to be a worry. Yeah, but I think a sort of January dip is pretty much normal in in Ronaldo's career. And when it comes to Pirlo, I think it's interesting how 
sort of the the opinion around him sort of, sort of seesaws every week. It's a very you know, one minute one minute he's he's out of his depth, and the other he's he's a, he's a tactical genius. I think obviously the the reality is he's probably in the middle of, middle of that, but he's clearly seen he's clearly been able to get the best out of his players and sort of establish maybe not an identity just yet. I don't think he's he's well into his uh, his managerial career to have a sort of philosophy, but I think it, it is it is telling that he uses he uses midfield very well, and I think. I think generally he is. He has found his feet as a manager. Yeah, that does seem to be the case uh, as we've moved into 2021. A very positive January for Juve overall. Uh, now, Sean, I want to come to you about... Uh, I'm, I'm quite interested to hear your thoughts on this, actually. I'm going to come to you about Roma. Obviously, major rivals of Lazio. Uh, but they did get a very impressive win on the weekend against Verona, 3-1. Verona have Historically, over the last 18 months, been a tough side to break down, but Roma sort of blitzed through them in the first half an hour. Um, how impressed were you by that game? And also looking ahead to the weekend when they play Juventus, how big do you think that match is for Roma? So th- this isn't me being a spiteful Laziale, but not impressed at all by that result, to be honest. And, and, and here's why. They've done this against smaller sides. That is Roma's issue this season. And and granted, Verona has given teams problems, but at the end of the day, Roma has had no problems with these types of clubs throughout this season. Where they fall short is against the bigger clubs, right? Their track record this season is really, really poor when it comes to them playing Lazio, Atalanta, Juve, Napoli. Like, they're... That's where they need to, to find a win. So to, to your, your question, this match against Juve for them is everything because another loss to a big club, I think, could see them spiral because they were spiraling. So that Verona match was big for them to kind of settle things down because a, a, a loss in that game, I think, sees Fonseca, you know, sacked. He has a little bit of breathing room, but for me, this win against Juve changes the narrative for them uh, for this season. So a loss just reaffirms that they're they're not quite you know ready to compete. So I think it's a big one for them. Yeah, you said there that you thought Fonseca could have been sacked if they had lost against Verona. Um, since that defeat to Lazio in the derby, obviously they lost in the Coppa Italia, but have won their last two league games. Do you think Fonseca's bought himself enough time that even if they do lose to Juve, they won't get rid of him? Or do you think if they lose that game this weekend, then the likes of Sari and Allegri, who've been linked with the Roma job, rumours of that will only will only grow and, and Fonseca could be on borrowed time? Well, I think the loss, if they would have lost to, to Verona, they would have done everything they, they could to, to seek his replacement. A loss to Juve, I don't know if the panic button gets pressed quite yet. I think I think they are being smart to be sure that they have an adequate replacement before sacking him. Obviously, Allegri is the biggest name out there. I think the rumors are that he doesn't want to come in midseason, that he would be interested in a position there at the end of the season. So 
I think that they're going to hold off as much as they can. But at the end of the day, if there is a string of losses, especially, you know, to some smaller sides, they're going to have to pull the trigger, um, even if that means, you know, hiring somebody, you know, like they did when when they had Ranieri for short term, knowing that, you know, it's not going to be their manager of the future. I suppose the manner of the defeat, if they do lose to Juve, will also have a have a factor in that decision. Um, but we'll have Absolutely. to see. Cer- certainly, that looks like a, a really intriguing game this weekend to see if Roma can finally step up in one of those huge matches. Um, and from one manager under pressure to another, we now turn to Napoli. They won two 0 against Parma this weekend, but the rumours are that they're will they're ready to. Uh, part ways with Gattuso at the end of the season, if not possibly before. Do you feel he's been harshly treated, Raphael? Definitely, definitely. I think when you look at the the instant impact he had when he came in, the fact that he did reinvigorate the squad and sort of maybe just sort of imposed a bit more discipline on a squad that was, you know, in full mutiny before he arrived. I think you know, to turn around and sack him now when he clearly has improved the squad. He's, he's improved the the, well, the the style of play as well. Even if there have been, re- the you know, results lately haven't been consistently good. I think it would be ungrateful to uh, to sack Eto'o. Well. I think, well not, well, not just, not just, not just to sack him, but the way in which uh, they've gone about it. Because... I mean, Gattuso's post-match uh, comments. He said that you know he 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 didn't feel comfortable in 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 the environment that he find found himself in. He he thought you know he's constantly put under pressure by uh by the De Laurentiis and that the fact that he is you know openly contacting other managers while while Gattuso's still in the job while his job's still in the balance. Which yeah, it's it's obviously. Gattuso is is not the environment you want to work work in, which obviously works again works against him and prevents him from potentially turning things around. So he's he's in a bit of a lose lose situation, Gattuso, because if if they're gonna if they're gonna keep you know if they're gonna keep contacting managers behind his back, then you know that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna impact him. That's gonna impact the team, and results aren't gonna come his way anyway. And generally speaking, I think, you know, he he does deserve a bit of leeway. He's he had that. I mean, he had that eye problem back in um back in December, which clearly had a clearly had a big, not just physical but emotional impact on him, which I think was quite un- understated by uh, by by the press. What because he did say like he he did say his him and his players, you know, they they are quite close, and. The fact that his players saw him in the way he is, saw him like that, impacted them. So, I think it, it would just be inconsiderate, really, to sack to sack Gattuso now. I think at least give him until the end of the season. At that point, yeah, it would probably be probably be a good idea to sort of review his results. But it, I think it would just be cruel, really, to to sack him right now. Yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out. Of course, they've got um, a big Copper Italia game coming up as well, uh, looking to defend uh, the, the Copper Italia that they won last season. And uh, 
Okay, so now we're going to move on to the other end of the table. And there were some really interesting games down that end uh, this weekend. Genoa eased past Crotone and are now six points above the bottom three. Um, Sean, we were thinking sort of early December that Genoa were doomed. But do you now think that they're certainly going to be safe this season? Or is there any chance they could get pulled back into that relegation fight? Well, yeah, I mean, there's it, it's interesting because you see the likes of Torino, you know, in, in the position where they're going to have to fight, you know, for relegation. It's I can't say that they're safe only because I expect and, and looks, I, I don't know how I mean, Spezia has been able to find some results that that's kept them treading water. But I have to think the likes of Torino and even Cagliari, you know, Cagliari has been a, a thorn in, in so many clubs behinds at the end of the season. I, I know they are a big reason why Lazio has tripped up, uh, you know, in recent years. So I, I don't think that they're safe. I have to imagine that Torino is able to find some wins later in the season that helps their cause uh, and, and Cagliari too. I, I, it'll I don't think they're 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 free yet. Yeah, it seems that they've they've had a real bump in the last couple of months under Valadini, but perhaps things could turn against them in the final weeks of the season. We'll have to see. And you mentioned Torino, who got a late equaliser against Fiorentina. How how crucial could that be, Raphael? We've seen Torino pick up late draws a couple of times recently. Um, so so do you think that those sort of results could be crucial come the end of the season? Definitely. But I mean, at the same time, it is a bit worrying that it took him until the, the very last minute for uh, to score against against nine men. So I think that's that's obviously something that needs to be taken into account. I think, I think generally it was a very the game against Fiorentina was a very chaotic game. Um, but at the same time, when you look at the, when you look at the fact that there is a bit of a resurgence from Fiorentina, we saw Amrabat, who seems to be growing from game to game, Ribery back in form as well, which is crucial. Um, you know, it, on on paper, it's a very good result. So I think Torino won't be, you know, they they'll be satisfied with that. But at the same time, there are still there are still question marks. There's still sort of lingering doubts of Torino. The fact that Belotti is still carrying the team on his back. You know, even if he was, he was a bit, um, he was a bit melodramatic with that, uh, with that clash of uh, Milenkovic to uh, to get to get the uh, to get the defender red carded. But yeah, I think, I think with with Torino, I, th- I think they will pull through eventually. I think they will just you know scrape through and get these these sorts of results. But yeah, it's it's not. I don't think it's a match which which did them much um, did them much glory to be honest. Yeah, I'll say Rafael on on Torino. You know, while it was disappointing for them to to require that mat the entire time to to you know find one an equalizer against nine men, but you know what they what they weren't doing early in the season was closing matches, and, and they were they were giving up tons of you know late gasps to either lose or, or draw and giving up points. So for them, you know, mentally to be able to find points late in a match, you, you think that may have to have some sort of um, positive 
in a way that this club can maybe move forward, uh, you know, and obviously they have somebody like Belotti who just, who has to leave at, at this point. Like he's, he's got to go somewhere um, because you feel for him, but you know, they do have the talent. You, I think that something like that, where they're able to find points where early in the season, they were giving those games away. I think that has to have a positive um, outlook on them, at, at least in short term. Yeah, they certainly dropped so many points in those first sort of 10 games of the season from winning positions, as you say. But you both seem pretty confident that Torino will have enough. Uh, Sean, with regards to Cagliari, you did sort of mention them briefly, how they've been a thorn in the side for some teams. But they have sort of been down there for a few years as well now. But it looks like this season they're on a horrible run right now. I've got a draw against Sassuolo this weekend. But do, do you fear for them? Do you, do you feel that this year could be the year that they actually do get sucked into that bottom three and, and go down to Serie B? I mean, it, they, don't, they don't look good. Um, and and I, do, I do think Torino is going to be safe. I think Spezia, for me, has been um, impressive in, in some matches um, where they might have enough to hold off. So I, it doesn't look good for them. Um, I, Looking at the table and who they're going to be competing with, I probably would peg them as, as a bottom three club uh, finishing the season there. So, you know, I think this will be finally this, the year that we see them bump down to Serie B. Could well be. And of course, you, you mentioned Spezia there. I think they have exceeded most people's expectations, but they did lose 1-0 against Udinese this weekend. Um, do you think this was the type of game that Spezia need to be getting something from, Raphael, if they are going to stay up? Are you a bit concerned that they could get sucked into that bottom three as the season develops? Yeah, it does seem like their, their good form seems to have sort of burnt out a bit. Um, I think... Fundament- I mean, fundamentally, the difference between them and Spezia was Rodrigo de Pau. We, we say this every week, but he is he's the reason that the Udinese will, will stay up if they do. Um, despite made a lot of very good signings, um, you know, with De La Ferro, Pereira, Llorente now in this uh, in the January window. So, but still, every week in, week out, it's always de Pau who who bails them out. So, yeah, I think the, the thing is in, in the match, the, the two sides were quite even in terms of chances, in terms of, you know, in terms of the, uh, the overall balance of the game. So I think Spezia still have, they still have it in them to, to get, to get these results that can possibly, possibly keep them up. But it is worrying that the, the, at the start of the season, or at least until a few weeks ago, they were able to they were able to get these points here and there, um, especially against teams that you wouldn't really expect them to. But yeah, if 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 there's a trend now where you know they're not able they're not clinical enough to to close out these close out these results, then yeah, it is going to be it is going to be quite worrying for them. I would I would probably tip them to to go down eventually. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's certainly very tight down the bottom there. So you, you can't really rule any of those sort of bottom seven or eight teams out right now. Um, OK, so that's the weekend covered. And then on Monday, of course, we saw the transfer window close. 
Um, I think the biggest deal of the window probably was Papu Gomez leaving Atalanta uh, and joining Sevilla. Uh, Sean, from your perspective, are, are you sad to see Papu leave Italy? And what sort of legacy does he leave behind in Serie A and at Atalanta? Well, I, I'm I'm sad for Atalanta fans because you just know what he meant to that club. And, and for him to be, you know, let's be honest, I, I mean, Gasperini and Papu, those were the, the reasons why that club was turned around and became a contender, became this high-flying, sexy team that, you know, folks outside of Sedia got to kind of tune in because they were so much fun and they were the underdogs. And, you know, when I think of Atalanta, he was the first player that I, I, I thought of. Um, he was linked to Lazio for, for a number of years before we signed Luis Alberto. He was one of our top targets and, and I wanted to see him obviously at Lazio, but um, to lose him just outside of Serie A period, you know, it, it's definitely disappointing, but um, for me, it, it's, it's just sad to see something uh, in a player that was so special to Bergamo leave on those terms. Um, it's really disappointing. And, and obviously there's, there's a lot that happened between him and Gasparini, but um, yeah, I, I think that's, that's pretty crushing for a club that when you look back on their history doesn't have a ton of players like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a blow for them. Um, and I think that while Atalanta has been very impressive, uh, despite his absence, I think you're going to start seeing how that affects the club. Um, and, and his presence will his his presence now will be felt that missing presence. I, I think it's going to come back to haunt them a little bit. Yeah, it was certainly quite a quite a sad way to end it, you know, uh, sort of unfollowing people on social media as well. Uh, you know, not the way certainly the Atalanta fans would have wanted Papu to leave the club. Um, but I, I want to look at Serie A as a whole now. And Raphael, in, in your opinion, um, which club do you feel has done good business this month? Thanks for me, when you look at the circumstances of the window, you know, the, the, there's a lot of financial difficulty in, in football in general right now because of the pandemic, because of sort of the financial restrictions that clubs have. I think Milan have managed to get some pretty decent low-cost options that can still help them in the in the title race. I think Mandzukic, Tomori and, and Meite are all very solid signings who are going to not make a massive difference but they're going to contribute to the overall effort so i think on the balance of things they they have they've had the best they've had the best windows i think torino have probably done as much as they could in terms of you know reinforcements ahead of a potential potential relegation battle in signing mandragora and, and sanabria who are you know who are two solid signings even if Maybe in the attack, maybe the attacking options weren't there, weren't their weakest point. So I think I would pick out Milan and Torino as the two sort of the two best. Well, who had the best? Who had the best window? Yeah, Sean, for you, is is there a particular signing that caught your eye that you're really looking forward to to seeing? 
Well, look, um, just I'll I'll mention Lazio signing because of two reasons. One, because they actually made a signing in the January transfer window, which is quite rare for us. Um, Matteo Musaccio, I think, is he's already proven quite valuable uh, because he was subbed into the match against Atalanta for Patrick and played very, very well. Obviously, knowing the league, um, him being a player that can play on the right side of a three-man system, um, I think he's going to be absolutely critical. Uh, besides being a body back there, I think he does have ability. And I think right away, Inzaghi in is somebody that it's really hard to earn his trust. And right off the bat, he's gotten game time in a really big fixture. So for me, I think that bodes well, especially knowing that our depth at that center back position is lacking, especially after the injury. Uh, obviously, his signing was uh, directly linked to us losing Luis Felipe for probably the entire season. So I think that is a big one. Uh, to note, because um, if we're going to finish in the top four, I think he's going to have a big part to play. Yeah, that certainly seems to be the case. As you said, Lazio, no luck with injuries in that back three. Luis Felipe seems to pick up a lot of injuries. Uh, Radu's not getting any younger. And and Patrick is, is pretty inconsistent with some knocks as well. So Musacchio does seem to be a, a good signing for them. And so on to the final part of the show, and I want to touch on the Coppa Italia this midweek. We've got the first legs of the two semi-finals, Inter v Juve, and of course Atalanta against Napoli. Coming to you first, Raphael. Uh, the first leg will have actually been played by the time this recording goes out. But how how do you see Inter Juve playing out over both legs? Who who are you tipping to make the final? I think, as we saw in you know in previous games. Antonio Conte does seem to be able to get the better of uh, of Pirlo in a, in a tactical sense. So I, I would tip uh, I would tip Inter to go through. I think they they seem to be a team that's better suited to to playing a, a two legged tie and going through, especially since they are probably going to be prioritising the uh, the Coppa Italia as a potential piece of silverware for uh, for for Conte to sort of justify his. Uh, justify his contract so I think he'll definitely be going all out and you know I, I wouldn't be surprised I, I think he'll still be close because you know the, obviously the quality of the two sides will definitely be one to watch but I think in the end it'll be it'll be Conte's men that edge it out and then on to uh, Wednesday we, we have of course uh, Atalanta Napoli um so obviously Atalanta just edged out Lazio in the quarterfinals, uh, and you did say that it's sort of considered a bit of a derby between those teams now. So are, are you rooting for Napoli in this one, Sean, or, or do you want to see Atalanta go on to win it now that they've knocked out Lazio? And, and how do you think it will play out? Yeah, to be honest, no real rooting interest um, in this match. I think that Napoli will take it. Uh, ultimately, I th- think that um, especially if if they get healthy, I think that Atalanta has so many issues in their back line that Napoli is just going to find the goals. And, and to me, that experience of actually winning it last year matters. And so for me, uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, I think they're, that Atalanta is going to start feeling the signs of missing Papu. 
you know, they've just become a club now that has a little bit less spark, a little bit less depth. And, and that's going to ultimately matter. And I know Gattuso is obviously fighting for his job as well. And so, you know, you don't sack this man if he were to, to win back-to-back silverware in, in Coppa Italia. So I, I just think that his team's going to come out with a little bit more than Atalanta. Certainly two very intriguing matchups, and we'll have to see how they play out. Well, that concludes this episode. Thanks a lot for joining me, Sean and Raphael. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Catch you guys soon. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, absolutely.